Hi, and welcome to the Hingham Cast. I'm your host, Allie Donnelly. For the last 20 years, I've been a reporter for NECN and NBC Boston, but now I'm telling stories in a new way. We're called the Hingham Cast because we're hyper-local, looking at the pandemic, politics, and everything in between through the lens of one town, my town. But the issues we're exploring are unfolding in communities across the country, like the vaccine rollout. Walking in, there's um, nobody in front of me. ICU nurse Kim Bogini was in the first wave of employees to be vaccinated at Mass General Hospital. Her first dose was about a week before Christmas. Is this where I'm getting the shot right here? Oh, great. The Hingham native didn't hesitate. I can't look because I don't like shots. Even though she's a self-professed baby about needles. Wow, that was nothing. Right? Yeah, I didn't feel anything. That was so great. The needle was the tiniest thing I've ever seen, and I didn't even feel it. She had a sore arm for a day, but no other side effects. And a few weeks later, the vaccine booster shot. I'm so happy right now. The like weight is off my shoulders. But like she'd been warned, the day after the second shot wasn't so easy. When I woke up this morning, I was super tired. I had a headache, but just like I felt like I couldn't get out of bed. My head feels like full. I kind of feel like you feel maybe when you're starting to get sick and you're kind of like, I don't really feel that good. And then the next day you wake up feeling like crap. That's kind of how I feel right now. Otherwise, I I don't have a fever. I don't have, you know, that's good. Body aches. I don't have chills. Um, I don't have a sore throat. I don't have any congestion. I just have my head feels full and I just feel more tired than I normally am. I'd so much rather feel this way than get COVID. Kim brought us along on her vaccination process and sat down to talk with us about what it's like to work in a COVID specialty unit as cases surge. We talked with her a few times in the last month, so this is a compilation of those conversations. All while the news evolves daily. The first case of the highly contagious COVID variant has been confirmed in Massachusetts, which ups the pressure to get as many people vaccinated as possible before hospitals and healthcare workers get overwhelmed. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. Hey. Thank you. It's been 24 hours since your second shot. How do you feel? It's like a weight off of my shoulders. I just feel like going to work, going into these rooms, taking care of these super sick COVID patients, I will not feel as afraid. I must feel good. I want to bring you back to something you had said earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking about the vaccine and how much better you feel for yourself personally, but you have these like two kinds of emotions. One, just like, oh gosh, this is a, you know, this is a relief to get vaccinated and a totally separate emotion of you're still going onto the battlefield. Yes. Paint a picture of what that looks like in your unit. It's loud. It's exhausting. It's nonstop. You know, you walk in, there's beeping, there's alarms going off, chaotic at times, but it's a controlled chaos because it's how we work and we know we know what each beep and each alarm means and we know how to fix it. How are you looking at going into this surge? It's still scary. It's still stressful. We are more prepared. We have treatment options. Um, we know what works. We know what doesn't work. There's still going to be an exhaustion, a work burnout. Like that's not going away. I think for the hospital and for the community, it's still terrifying. So what puts somebody in your ICU unit as opposed to someone else's? We're the only unit that specializes in the lung ECMO machine. Meaning people couldn't breathe on their own. Yes. So it's different than than actually having a ventilator. A ventilator is a machine that helps you breathe. A ECMO machine 
completely acts as your lungs on the outside of your body. So you're getting the worst of the worst shape patients. Yes. And are they largely elderly? No. To be placed on ECMO, there's a lot of criteria. So you have to be younger than 65. The patients that we have right now in ECMO were in their 30s and 40s. It's interesting because uh, over the course of time that we've talked, it's, you know, you're, you've really described mostly 30s, 40s, and 50s. Mm-hmm. Most people do okay, but I see the sickest ones, which is rare, but it is hard to see. And, you know, you go in and you're taking care of them and they're your, your parents' age or they're your age, and it's just terrifying. Yeah. Are they, do they have a lot of underlying health conditions as a, as a group? No, not necessarily. No. Because you, you do get those patients that are in their 50s and they have absolutely no history and they're, they're dying. That's hard. Yeah. And how is their family communicating with them? If they're in their 50s, they're like me. They've got to have, you know, youngish kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's horrible. It's just really hard to see people saying goodbye on video screens. We do allow, if it is end of life, two people to come in, but that's just two people. You know, I'm one of four kids. Like, how would you, how would you pick who would who would get to go in? How would you decide that who gets to say goodbye? We want to take a quick break to ask you if you like what you're hearing and you want to help us keep episodes coming. Please hit the subscribe button, and if you're so inclined, rate us and write a review. We also have a wonderful media partner in the Hingham Anchor, where each week we'll have an article and guest photos so you can put faces with voices. That's HinghamAnchor.com. So as of this recording, the number of patients who are hospitalized with COVID in Massachusetts is about 2,100 people, which is down slightly from the week before. Kim explains what that looks like at MGH and in her 18-bed specialty unit, a medical ICU in particular. You said something really interesting to me the last time we talked. You were describing going into the weekend and that you were full, but then something happened to open up some beds. What? Tell me about what you were saying. Um, yeah. So right now where the hospital is running on, like we call it code catastrophe. That means every single bed in every single ICU in the hospital is full. Um, but the only way to get those beds to open is, you know, unfortunately, if somebody passes and that day we had had three. Um, so that opened up three beds. So you were full. You had no more beds. Yep. And patients needed beds, and you couldn't give it to them until people died. Yep. What hits you when you hear that? Um, it's sad. It's stressful. You know, I think of, oh, my gosh, what if – there's so many emotions. I think, what if somebody I know is in a car accident and needs an ICU bed, but they can't because they're full – so they're sitting in the ED, you know, needing an ICU. They can't get an ICU bed, but then, oh, wait, hold on. Somebody just died, so now you can get the bed. It's just it's – unfor- it's, it's hard to think about, but that's, that's, how, that's how the hospital runs sometimes. Do you think it's going to get as bad as the spring? Has it already gotten as bad as the spring? It's steady. I feel like the spring was abrupt, um, and the numbers went up very quickly. Our numbers have been more stable, and I think it's because of treatments. And it's, uh, like I said, we know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. It's stable sick. I feel like in the spring, it was chaotic sick. What does that mean, stable sick? We have a command center now in Boston. Mass General is not getting overwhelmed with COVID patients. If we are starting to get overwhelmed, the command center will start transferring patients to the Brigham or Tufts or wherever. Um, So it's, it's just been this like steady 
amount of ICU patients. The one population that is going up is the general floor population that is going up a lot. And those are people that just need like maybe a little bit of oxygen to kind of get them through. Um, They don't need to get intubated or anything like that. So our numbers in the ICU have stayed pretty stable. They haven't climbed too drastically. It's been almost like we're plateauing right now. I mean, they did open the surge ICU because the beds were starting to get tight and the surge ICU is already full, but that just means that there's more other ICU beds in the hospital open. Mm -hmm. So you're spreading things out with maybe not everybody having to go to such a specialized ICU or ICU at all. Yeah. Yeah. Fair to say the majority of the beds are taken by COVID patients? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what do you worry about? The thing with COVID patients is we've had a lot of recoveries, but they just take so much time. We've had people on ventilators for months, so there's no movement. That's the problem. Yeah, I think a, a lot of times I don't want to be a you know a doom slayer here, but you know I think that the vaccine news is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But I think you know I think I'm seeing a fair amount of well, it's over. Is it over? Yeah, no, it's it's not over yet. No, 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 no. We I, we'll have at least until I think if people comply and get the vaccine, I think we'll be seeing this until probably the early summer until the general population is able to get the vaccine. People are just over it. People are tired of social distancing and you know the holidays were tough for everybody, so people got together and risked it and. We're definitely seeing the effects of that now. What do you say to people who are getting a little frayed as we go into winter? <sighs> it's, you know, the same thing I've been saying. Just wear your mask anywhere you go in public. Try to not go out as much and just stick to your households. I feel like I've known a lot of people that have gotten COVID and they've all been fine. So they were scared when they had it, but they're like recovered now. And so I think for a lot of people who have had it and had a, an easy go about it are just kind of like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. If you get it, you'll be okay. But it's hard when you know people that aren't okay that get it, which is what we see every day in the hospital. It's kind of a strange time because it's, you know, it seems like we're in a situation where there's light at the end of the tunnel, but it's also going to get really dark. That's a great way to put it. Um, Healthcare workers are getting vaccinated, but the numbers are surging. And for the general population, it's not going to be a great next few months. What do you think the mental health fallout will be for healthcare workers? I've already seen it. Um, A lot of people are struggling. It just took a toll on a lot of nurses, doctors. We saw a lot of things that were very sad. And like I said, we see sad things all the time. It was just different because you don't see young people who are healthy coming in who can't have visitors. You have to get to know the families through Zoom. It's a totally different way of nursing. And it's really, really hard to, to hold back tears honestly. Usually if you're there in person, you can walk over, you can put your hand on their shoulder, you can hug them if you need to. You can, you know, just look into their eyes and be there for them. So to kind of look through a screen from the side of the room, it's just a weird feeling. Yeah. I mean, nursing is all about intimacy Mm -hmm. and you've lost so much of that. Yeah. And I'm sure they're feeling the same way. I mean, for them to not know that that's how we are, I guess it's kind of hard. Mm. What are you doing, Kim, to take care of you? Um, I got a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, I had a quarantine puppy. Um, nice. I definitely am affected by everything that I saw and everything that I've been dealing with and the stress. I mean, obviously, you don't know me, but I'm just I'm a very positive person. I'm usually not down. 
um, but uh, this year has been definitely hard. So just talking things out, um, being open to maybe even that we have like support at work, um, mm-hmm. being open to that. I've kind of talked about that recently, or maybe even just talking to somebody else um, just about, you know, the stress of everything. I hope you do. I hope you do. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I really hope you do take care. I mean, talk to people yeah. because sometimes there's tons of value in just talking to a stranger. Yeah. You know, because there's no judgment because you're not holding back with a stranger. I've been thinking about it more because I, I think the summer was really nice to be, you know, out of the thick of it. And I was like, oh, like we got through it. And we were so helpful and hopeful that it wouldn't help any, happen again. Yeah. I'm kind of just like feeling down again so, mm. because it, it's happening again. It's just that simple. Yeah. People are sick again. It's all we talk about. It's all we, it's, it's all we talk about at work. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just yeah. get so there's just a point where you just wish that you could get your typical ICU patient who's like a liver failure bomb, as we call them. But it's all the same patients. And they're all, they're all sick and they're all young and it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. How do we support you? What do we do? Well, you know, during the surgery, we were getting tons of food. Now we're not allowed to get food <laughs> donations. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we're not allowed to take food donations anymore. Why? Infection control, which is just, you know, everyone all, everyone that I work with just laughs about it because we got so much food during the spring. You didn't have to bring lunch anymore and nobody got COVID. So <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard. Like I almost feel weird when people thank me um, or call me like, oh, like a healthcare hero. You know, this is my job. I get it. It's a pandemic. To support us, mm-hmm. follow the rules, wear your face mask. You don't know what tomorrow will will bring. You know, just because you haven't seen it, you haven't gotten it, it doesn't mean that it's not there. It's it's very much here. Yeah. Kim, I really, I know you don't want to be thanked, but thank you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for talking with us and, you know, yeah. thanks for showing up. Of course. Yeah, of course. I want to thank our producer and editor, Kristen Keith. Our fabulous website is the work of Donna Mavromatis and her terrific team at Mavril Creative. And designer Tony Sutliff is the creator behind our beautiful logo and other artwork. All their contact information is on our website, thehinghamcast.com. I'm Allie Donnelly. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.